0: Right here on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. Please find us at LiveParanormal.com, iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Player FM, Blog Talk Radio, more and more and more that I didn't even list. Uh, We're here every Wednesday at 5 o'clock Pacific time uh, right here on Live Paranormal and iHeartRadio. And uh, every week on the show, I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister, I'm a 28-year talk radio host in Los Angeles, and every week on the show, I gather folks that I think are the brightest and most beautiful and loveliest minds and hearts and souls in the paranormal and spiritual community, and we talk about everything outside of the realm of the three dimensions from is there life after death to I think there's a lot of monster in my above-ground swimming pool. I guess today is a wonderfully talented person in the realm of creativity, but also uh, I learned when on uh, when, uh, a previous show, my Tuesday show, RaisingTheVibrationRadio.com, also um, a person in the spiritual community and a person in the uh, world of paranormal and spiritual experiences. Please welcome to the show the wonderful Caden Pack is here, who is becoming a very dear friend. And uh, for whatever reason, um, can't seem to get rid of me. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you?
1: Hello. Uh, why would I want to get rid of you? Are, we, are you getting rid of me, or if I, am I getting rid of you, or is it a mutual thing? I don't know if I'm <laughs> not getting rid of you, so it's all on your end, maybe. uh well, we're stuck together then, aren't we? <laughs> That's it. That's it. People with gifts stick together. It. Well, we
0: should, but we don't always. But but we are. Um, so let's yes. talk a little bit yes. about that because I think. You first did my radio show many years ago. Mom, uh, we talked a lot about your creative stuff, right? You as a creative entity, yeah. um, creating projects with writing and, and promoting other people's creative endeavors. Um, when did you know you were a person in the spiritual world and, and how have you balanced that with your creative self and how did it all begin for you?
1: Mm, that's a really great question. You know, it's, it, I think a lot of things in life – Even if you realize something later in life, you realize you were kind of always that person. Uh, Growing up, my mother was very into fantastical things. My dad was like the kind of logical one. And my mom was into fairies and vampires and magic and fantasy. Uh, I read all fantasy books growing up. So when when I was younger, Labyrinth was really huge. Jim Henson was really huge. And I always felt this connection to other worlds. To other realms you know when I when I was younger I thought they were real it really wasn't until like my 20s when I was like wait a minute this world is very cold <laughs> you know and patriarchal so growing up, I think I was always really connected to magic and to other realms and other spirits and other creatures, um, but I didn't. It didn't really click with me. I think until I was in my 30s, because I had gone from childhood of being very connected in a very small town. We were surrounded by a park and nature, and I was involved in in the land around me and we we're is on a Native American reservation and so then I went out into the workforce you know and this is like the 90s at this point and I feel like I just got eaten alive by the patriarch and it took me a little while to kind of get back to myself and it wasn't until my 30s that I actually started practicing witchcraft that I I rediscovered who I was and I and it then became a very integral part of my myself my being and also my creative work yeah but there was a little period of time there was very sketchy and I did not connect at all (laughs) it's
0: interesting that you say labyrinth because you posted a picture on Facebook recently and I was thinking that you reminded me of a character from labyrinth I
1: hope hope it's David Bowie (laughs) not
0: one of the Henson characters you reminded me of somebody who would have lived in that world in the labyrinth world
1: Yes, yes, well, you know, and I did think I lived in that world. When I was younger, I, you know, I, I was an artist, I went to school for art, I'm a writer, I was an avid reader. I really did think that that was the real world, and I was so obsessed with, you know, David Bowie is one of the, my biggest idols, in fact, you know, coming out as a trans man, a lot of people are like, oh, you kind of look like him. And I was like, you have no idea how much that means to me because he was my idol growing up. You know, he was this human man. In, you know, and Sarah's amazing too, you guys, but I was all about the Bowie. There's this human man, this rock god in this fantastical world. And I was like, it doesn't get any better than this.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there was always something very otherworldly about David Bowie. I think we were all shocked when he died. Because maybe we thought he couldn't die.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. In fact, my mother just booked us two tickets to go to a David Bowie tribute concert. A guy, I, I can't remember his name, but he puts on a David Bowie show. You know, he is a, an impersonator. And he's hes like in some casino not that far from now. So we're going to that show. I'm so excited. Nice. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think that um, I always liked about David Bowie that he—he he, There seemed to be a blurred lines with him as far as gender and species and sexuality. Like, he just sort of was. He didn't really fall into boxes. And I think that's, as we evolve, that's what we should all aspire to be, somebody that doesn't necessarily fall into a box but just creates our own box that is us.
1: Um, Absolutely. I I think that was such a big message of his and I love that you use the word species because those of us that are highly spiritual, you know, we know that we're souls having this experience. We know we're not just this human thing. And and I love that about him and I love, you know, I love that about you and I love that about, you know, a lot of these people in the community um, that we kind of understand that we are, we're on the plane of earth, but we're also kind of otherworldly beings at the same time.
0: I agree, and, and, and we are so many different things from life to life that to get hung up on being something, not that you shouldn't create your palette and be whatever you are, but to get hung up on it to the point where you're rejecting influences from other things, to me, it's so counter to every message I get from spirit, which is about just being in the isness, and from moment to moment, it will be revealed to you where your next phase of life is.
1: Yeah. You know, you could be somebody that, that wears a Absolutely. suit every day.
0: And then one day you just start wearing kilts and that's it. And that's okay because that was your phase of life, this is now your phase of life. And it's there you are different what? phases and we're not expected to be the same same way from different steps on our path, right? We change as we walk.
1: Absolutely, I agree with that, and I can say there are many phases of my life where it was like, oh. And sometimes I think we awaken things in us that were there all along. You know, I realized I was a witch my entire life, but I had been I had been that way when I was younger, and then I and then I kind of set it aside and blocked that side of me when I was in my 20s and till my 30s, and then I, and then it came back. And so sometimes we awaken, you know, becoming um, transgender is something that awakened in me that was like, wow, everything makes so much sense now, but I didn't realize it until later. And and now this is is my life, but it makes so much sense. Like it was like you just feel in your gut when it's the right path for you.
0: Absolutely. And I felt that way when I found out. I was 33 when I found out that I was intersex. And... um, it was like a a third of my life, right, of things that didn't make sense suddenly made so much sense, this feeling of not really caring about gender, not really caring that I was anything and not feeling left out because I wasn't, just feeling like um, that nobody understood why I didn't have anything wrapped around it. Um, because for me, we we are as spirit. We are everything and nothing at all. And um, I think it's very confusing for a lot of folks in the intersex community because we put so much power in gender in this world. And um, when you think about it, the difference in a female and a male body really very the differences are really very small. But we make such a big deal about it culturally. That I think that when you are neither, then suddenly it becomes this strange. Um, well, what's wrong with you that you're not buying into how important it all is? And it's great for some people; it's super important, and I really respect that. And I do everything I can to promote women and to raise women up, and and you know culturally and socially and. And my identity is female, and I love being a girl. I have a lot of respect for men, and I think men get a horrible bad rap a lot of the time. Every man you know cannot be blamed for the 10,000-year-old patriarchy problem. But as far as me, that was a very freeing moment for me to realize it was okay not to care, and there was a reason. You 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 don't really need a reason, but sometimes having a reason came right is a good thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. And I feel the same way. It is like, you know, there are certain things I identify as, and they might be on that gender spectrum but I don't push that onto anybody else and I think that's the biggest thing with our world is that people want to be right so badly you said this on your show people want to be right so badly that they negate everyone else's experience when in reality we are on this planet and you know if we're not harming people with our experience if we're out there spreading love and spreading joy and being inspirational but we choose to to identify a certain way that's not harmful like what is the what is the issue with that? I don't see there being an issue, but there are just so many people in this world that really want to control everyone else's experience to maybe validate their own, I guess. And it's pretty crazy. Um, But yeah, I just think if you're, if you're just being yourself and you're not harming anybody, like what is, what is wrong with that? Nothing.
0: Exactly. Right. If you're not harming anybody, just do your thing. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Everything doesn't have to be, Um, Like, look at uh, David Bowie's beautiful example, right? He had two different colored eyes. So technically, he didn't have an eye color. He had eye colors. So we think everybody needs to have an eye color, but what if you don't? What if you have two? What if you have three? What if your eyes are both split in half and it's four different colors? Okay. That's how you are exactly. Sometimes when you discover something about yourself, you discover this interesting freedom. So I'll tell you a little story from so this is the last time I talked to you. So I don't know who my father is because I was a, a donor insemination baby in the 60s when it was all very experimental and hush-hush and don't tell anybody and go out that door and never come back and the crazy stories my mother went through. So I knew I wasn't like my parents because, I, I mean, I've known my father wasn't my father since I was 18, but I knew that, at the time, they used to say that they genetically tried to match the father so nobody knew what you were. But my dad was blonde and blue-eyed, and my mom was red-haired and hazel-eyed, and I'm very dark. And as a child, I was super dark before the sun bleached my hair, and my eyeballs were like black when I was a kid. So I only kind of walked around standing out in Irish land um, with this really dark complexion. And... There were all different things. You know, everybody wanted to claim me, right? Jewish people thought I was Jewish. Native Americans thought I was Native American. And I thought, well, that, that could be because my mom is, is from Kentucky and Irish, so there's a lot of natives there. And that could be a thing. Or, you know, they, they use the doctor's sperm, so Jewish could, you know, be a thing. And I don't know. I just had no idea. So, so my um, best friend literally bought me a 23andMe kit and said, do this. And the first time I sold it out, it came back and it said my DNA wasn't viable. And then I thought, oh, (laughs) am I an alien? Do I not have any DNA? Like, what's the story with that? And then I did it again at her behest. She's like, you have to do it. Now, this is just too weird. So two days ago, I'm at dinner with her family, and I open up my app, expecting to see I'm 5% this and 4% this and 3% this and all the stories I've told. I am literally 50.9% Irish, which is my mom. And I am 49.1% Italian. I never in a million <laughs> years thought I was Italian. Nobody ever asked me if I was Italian. So now I have this whole, like, thing, right? This, this whole culture I didn't know I was a part of that I'm now a part of. And I'm getting used to now knowing that's what I am. And two days out, it's a little, like, stupefying in a very wonderful way. But it's, uh, you know, just because we think we're something, we don't really know what we are. That's why we always have to keep an openness to what we are. And the truth is, my mother's adopted. She knows her birth family a little bit. The stories there were very sketchy. My grandma died. My mom was five. I had no idea if we were actually really Irish because then she heard we were Scottish. Then she heard we might have been something else. And, but in the end, it's, it's true we are Irish on that side. But isn't that the, the the strangest thing to learn that you're something you never thought you were? And yeah, um, it but, is. You know, so isn't that the most wonderful thing about life? It's like spirit now has revealed that to me at fifty-five, and so uh, that's a whole new thing to deal with. And that's kind of the wonderment of it all, right? The I love that that line from. Um, the the wing song, listen to what the man says, the wonder of it all, baby. And I I always loved I always said if I started a rock band, it was going to be called the wonder of it all because to me that's what the the life experience is, is just the wonder of it all, you know? And as I say that, my kitten has found a fly, and um, he is just like it's the most amazing thing he's ever seen in his life. (laughs) I love that. There it is again, right, the wonder of it all.
1: You know, it's really funny, that story, because uh, uh, long story short, my, I, I do know my parents, but my dad, I look like my dad's side of the family. I have hazel eyes and dark hair and I color it red, but we're, you know, that's the Ukrainian side and my mom's Polish. She has blonde hair, bright green eyes. My sisters have blonde hair, blue eyes, like my grandma. So when we were growing up, I was always out with my sisters and my mom and my dad was never there. He was, I was working or whatever. And I would constantly have people ask me, if I was adopted, because I look nothing like my family. And so the entire time I was growing up, every single place we went, they're like, oh, you must be the cousin. Are you adopted? Are you like somebody else's kid? I'm like, no, these are my sisters and my mom. I just don't look like them. But even though we're all Slavic, we are, you know, two countries right next to each other, they just have totally different looks. So I, I could totally feel you on that story. And people were trying to convince me I was adopted growing up. I'm like, you guys just have not met my dad. Like, he exists. he's literally in the house right now. Like, he's not somewhere else. Like, he's there. He's just not here at the moment. So it's just amazing right. to me. Um, so people, you know, people think also, and they just, you, know, you were talking about people trying to claim you. And then when I go to, I went to Greece, and, and because I have a larger nose, I would have Greek people walking up to me and just, start talking Greek. I'm like, I am not Greek. I'm not Mediterranean. Uh you know, like, yes, we come from this area that's not far. But I was really amazed, um, in both Greece and Italy that people thought I that people that were natives would just walk up and start talking to me as if I was from that country and it was crazy. And I was like, um oh, not even close, but that's okay. <laughs> I I'm complimented by that. <laughs> But isn't that great how when people
0: want to claim you and and, um, and make you like an honorary, whatever you are, um, I think that's great. Because we're all basically the same, right? I think it's very odd that I didn't get 10 of this and three of this and one and a half of this because there is such a who knows question mark on both sides. I thought I would be all over the place at a million different things. But alas, no. Just but
1: you, two things. Yeah, but you you could also, like my family situation, um, my parent, my grandparents were born in the Ukraine and, you know, then it was taken over by Poland and then they were Polish and then it was taken over by Russia and then they were Russian and then it went back to Ukraine. So when they came over to America, their their Ellis Island thing said Russian because they just didn't know they, they were like, well, it sounds Russian to me and they just made it up. So for the longest time, we thought we were Russian, and then we traced it back, and it was like, actually, we can look at the, you know, the, the ancestry, Ukraine, this exact spot that is, you know, was just taken over a bunch of times, but they're Ukrainian. So it's it's really interesting, you know, you have that aspect, too, when you're from a country that just keeps getting taken over by other countries,
0: you know, it's, it's kind I of a mess.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's funny you say that. (laughs) My family is a quarter Irish and they came from Ireland. But when I talk to people that are Irish, they're like, oh, you can't be Irish. You're not. I was like, well, I have the documents that say that they were born in Ulster and they immigrated from Ireland. It was my dad's mother's side of the family. And they're like, no, you're not Irish. So I was like, okay. So apparently maybe that's the country where you can't be the thing. (laughs) Unless you were born there. I don't know.
0: Uh, I think everybody's at least a quarter Irish. It's just a thing. So there's just a lot of. Them. I think, I think, of it, really I think it really is. I think it really is. Yeah, there's an interesting, and I'll tell you an interesting spiritual thing. From the time I was little, I was fascinated with Catholicism, and we're Irish Protestants. My mom grew up in Kentucky, Southern Baptist, um, and just fascinated. Now my father was a last Catholic. He got divorced before he met my mom. So Catholic, you know, his family wouldn't come to the wedding because it was at a Presbyterian church. Like, so Catholicism was a very frowned upon thing growing up because of the bad experiences yeah. mom had had with his family and he had with the church. But I was always sneaking out, like, trying to look at saints. And I loved, like, just going into a Catholic church with my Catholic grandmother and looking at the same glass. And when I first started my Raising the org movement, and I wanted to learn more about things, I had a friend that was a deacon in a Catholic church, and I said, um, can you tell me about saints? So he started sending me all these prayer cards, and I was like, oh, my God, and I started—I I was obsessed with saints, and I, I still am. Well, now it turns out my 23 and me, we're actually Southern Irish from Galway, and if we're Italian, we're probably Catholic. So the Probably of Catholic, is like, yeah. Catholic the whole time. Um, fascinated with Catholicism and never knew. And that is the beautiful thing. And I think that's why things like Ancestry and 23andMe are so great, because they're teaching us to have an open mind about who we think we are and who we could be. Because at any moment, you could get your Ancestry done, you could have a chromosomal test, you could learn there are things about you you didn't know. And that's how our spiritual path, right, Caden, is supposed to be. We're not supposed to know everything. We're supposed to have experiences as we go and as we go, we're supposed to discover new things about ourselves. If we came down here and knew everything the first day we were born, there wouldn't be any reason for us to stay for a hundred years. We're staying. Exactly. To learn more.
1: And Exactly. You learn and just when discovery. you think you're bored. <laughs> just when you think you're bored, I mean I thought I was like through my big spiritual awakening. It was like 10 years long, like all through my 30s you know, until I was like 41 or two, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I've learned it all. I've discovered it all. And then suddenly it was like, oh, I'm transgender. Like where the, where did that come from? You know, but I, but then, you know, again, it was something I'd been feeling and struggling for a long time. I didn't know how to put it into words. And now I'm on this journey. And it's like, just when you think you're bored, just when you think you're like, okay, I'm getting old, what's there left to do? And suddenly, boom, this whole journey, You know, I'm writing my own fantasy series. I'm going to be a first time novelist in my Forties, so these are Ew. exciting things that are, that are like you know I look at all the things that I got to do for the first time in my twenties and my thirties and my teens and now I'm like still doing fun things and i was probably not going to stop until I die and I think that is the most beautiful part of this experience is to not get sedentary is to not. Get bored is to just continue to look for answers and ask questions. And I think sometimes Absolutely. people do get bored in life because they don't. They kind of settle and they say like, "This is how it is. I'm stuck in this way." They get stuck and then they don't. They don't allow themselves to grow and change anymore. And that's kind of a shame.
0: And I agree. Okay, so I have a question. Can I ask you a couple questions about your transition? Is that okay?
1: Ask me anything. Of course. Okay.
0: So when you envision yourself transitioning, where do you envision ending up? I mean, do you do you want to use male pronouns? Do you consider yourself to be – because some folks who transition, like if people that, let's say, female to male, they don't consider themselves men at the end. They consider themselves trans men, and they differentiate the difference. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a do great you want to be question. somebody that walks down the street and everybody says, oh, yay, bro, that's a dude? Or do you always want to be somebody who sort of lives in the gray area um, in the David Bowie world of, you know, of in between?
1: You know, that's a really great question. So I'm going to say, I'm going to start with this. I don't really think I have a choice because I look a certain way and there are certain things that I like about myself. And it's not that I'm choosing to be in a gray area as much as other people are probably going to misgender me. So even if I want to walk down the street and have everybody be like, there's a dude, I'm never going to look like a stereotypical dude. I grew up in the 80s. I love having my long red hair. Hopefully I get to keep it, you know, and it lasts for a long time. I love I know I don't generally wear dresses anymore or skirts but I you know I I wear mascara um it kind of like David Bowie you know he has a little bit of makeup on sometimes a lot of stage makeup he wears kind of um different types of clothing I love his style I love that old rocker 70s style. And so I just think that it depends on the era that we're in. Like back in that day, people would look at somebody like that and go, well, that's still a man. But now we struggle with people are kind of going back to a very conservative male look. And so if I'm walking down the street and I have long hair, people are automatically going to, you know, ma'am me, they're going to look at me, even if I have a deeper voice, even if I've got a beard, they're probably going to immediately think I'm a woman. So I don't really think I have a choice in that. But if I'm going to answer that question of where I want to be, I have a vision. I Unfortunately, there are not a lot of uh, real-life men that look like what I want to look like, but there are a lot of, like, anime characters <laughs> that look like what I want to look like That ha- that are gorgeous men with long red hair. And, you know, they've got, they've had, you know, I would have had the top surgery at this point. I would have worked out, had a little bit more of a muscular build, not not like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin here, Henry Cavill. We're talking like probably just a little bit more of a yoga body. Um, but I I do picture myself as kind of the Bowie type. I'm probably gonna look a little bit more androgynous just because my natural features are a little bit more feminine. Um, you know, I have big eyes, I have like I said, long hair, um, you know, my eyebrows are a little bit smaller. So so I think that look is always going to be there. But I do plan on hopefully taking uh, HRT. So there might be some changes with facial hair, there might be some changes with body structure, you know, fat distribution um, with my voice. So maybe those things will help make up for it. But really, I envision myself I do envision myself as a man, and I, and I say that I'm a man, but I do think that the rest of the world is going to see me as somebody that's a little bit more androgynous, and I think that's better than thinking that I'm female, so I'm hoping that I can at least scoot over into the, like, androgyny category, um, but that's, like, probably the best I'm going to do at this age in life.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that we stereotypically think of a lot of trans men in flannel shirts with beards and yeah, kind of very husky. That are like, ripped, and I understand. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right, I understand wanting to be something that is stereotypically what you've always wanted to be, and that's so that's what you want to be. Maybe sometimes they go that way and then they back off a little bit once they've lived. You know what I mean? I became way more feminine once I found out I was intersex because I was like, oh okay, now I can relax and just be whatever I want to be and don't have to feel all weird about not being, like, a girly girl anymore. Now I think as I've gotten older, I'm much more of a girly girl than a lot of the girls I know because as women get older sometimes, yeah. they tend to, you know, put on the cargo shorts and garden and never take off yeah. the cargo shorts. I'm still, like, you know, the pink skirt girl. But um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's very interesting what you say, Um because we do have an idea, right, of what we see as a man when we walk down the street. Um, and that kind of look, and, you know, I have many friends that look like that. I have many friends that are with guys that look like that. I have many friends who are with women that look like that. That's kind of never been my thing. I think because I fall in the middle. I kind of like people who look yeah. like they fall in the middle.
1: So, I do um, too. You know, it's interesting.
0: That somebody like that—that that they weren't really. I—I I, yeah. I question people. I think for me, I can spot a trans man that's trying too hard, faster than somebody who just looks androgynous. If you really want, if you want to pass—that's a horrible word I hate—but some people do want to pass. Um, trying super hard, kind of, almost is like it's—it's it's kind of you stick out like a sore thumb. I think if you just naturally resonate where you energetically resonate and then if you want to add to a surgery or two or um, some hormones or two, whatever you want to do on top of that
1: that just
0: kind of um, solidifies your point, but you're basically still being who you are and not everybody wants to become a lumberjack Uh, and, and that's not really what a man is.
1: You know, and it's it's really I love this conversation. Thank you for having this because I have a whole you TikTok said. channel, Trans Prince, and it's is literally about this. I have, my tagline is "Men can be pretty too," and one you said that you became more feminine when you came when you realized you were intersex. I actually struggled with my femininity for my entire life until I came when I came out as trans. I felt like wow. I'm just a feminine guy. I have been struggling with trying to pretend I was a woman because I was so feminine growing up. I just assumed like, well, this must mean I'm a woman. I was born as this. I was assigned this at birth. So it just, you know, and I'm a feminine person. So I must just, and I don't mean feminine as in the way I dress necessarily, but like my energy is very feminine. Um, I do like pretty things. I do like glamorous things. Uh, And so When I came out as trans, I felt more comfortable being in my femininity as a man, and everything clicked. I realized I had just been blocking that forever because I didn't, you know, the world tells you that men can't be feminine, So when we're talking about the way that we look, like it's great if you want to go out and look like a lumberjack, all power to you. That's just never been my look that I want on myself. And I'm realizing that um, especially being older and coming out, there are a lot of advantages because I know myself so well. So, like, I was having this conversation with my friend, and I basically said, I've already done all my inner work. I'm a spiritual person. I know myself. I've taken care of all my wounds. Now it's just a matter of how do I want to decorate my physical being. And so I definitely know that I don't want boobs. I love the male form. I am obsessed with it. Of course, I want that for myself. You know I like penises, of course, I want to wear one, and I do um, i you know there 's some things with testosterone that i don 't like, and there 's things that I do like, but you know i 'm at an age in my life where my my levels my hormone levels are going really low so i 'll take any levels at this point to kind of get my mojo back so there 's different reasons why we do things, yeah. and I think that I love what you said about just embodying who you are and being the unique being you are. And that is something that I realized about myself, but also on my channel. When I'm posting videos about being a guy with long hair, I can't tell you how many people come out and make comments like, yeah, I cut my hair right away to try to pass, and then I got really upset, and then I spent like 10 years growing it back out because I really liked it long. Because they they thought that they had to be a certain way, and then they regretted it. Not everybody, but some but not everybody, but there was a considerable amount of people on my particular videos that that really communicated that. And to so me I'm like, I'm just not gonna go there. I'm gonna be myself and that's just all I can be. And if somebody misgenders me, I can't control the rest of the world. But it's just gonna be what it is.
0: Absolutely. You know, I got misgendered as a child all the time. You know, who cares? I <laughs> think honestly. Yeah it's it's not an important thing to me um i didn't even care as a kid really because i never had anything like other little girls probably would have been devastated but i just didn't have anything you know wrapped around it and i look sometimes at pictures of me because when i was 20 i had to go on hormones extra hormones birth control um I, i'm kind of a strange person every intersex person is different but I naturally make almost no testosterone and very little estrogen. Now I mm-hmm. have nothing. It's all been taken out, so it all went to hell. Um, so now I have nothing. Um, but when I was young, and I take a hormone replacement now, because if I don't, my organs get funky. Um, when I was Exactly. Um, when I was young, and I, I was 20 when I went on the birth control, I look at pictures of myself when I was young, and I'm like, oh, I can totally see in my face that I am neither. But when I was a kid, I didn't think about it. And in high school, nobody said anything about it because I had long hair and I was in theater and I wore prom dresses. But when I look at the difference in what I look like before and after hormones, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Of course, the hormones make me really fat. But um, but I did get more feminine looking and my voice did get higher, which was yeah. good for me and what I do for living. Because if you're a woman and you have a really low voice, people are like, mm, we don't really hire that. Now things are different. But in the 80s, not us. So it is interesting. Oh, How I never thought of my having sort of a face that could have gone either way until I go back now and look at my face. I'm like, oh, yeah. now I understand why some old man on the fishing boat was like, hey, that's the girls'
1: restroom, little guy. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: I, thinking, I mean, I was a little...
1: Yeah, I thought I was a boy when I was little. I mean, I didn't even know until I I turned 15. And then I got these giant boobs. I mean, they were not small. They were like C cups right off the bat. And I was like a little athlete. So I was pretty small. And I'm like, what are these? And I was so embarrassed by them. They were it was devastating. So when I have my top surgery in January, it's actually going to be the 30th anniversary of my boobs. I 30 years of boobs. And I'm like, that's plenty of time. You had your run. We're good. You know, and it's, it's crazy. It's like that exact number. But um, yeah, I, when I was 15, I thought I was a boy and I, I hung out with the boys and they treated me like a boy and no one ever like came on to me. Everyone thought I was, you know, I thought I was a boy. And so then the boobs happened and suddenly I was like sexually objectified. And then literally for the next 30 years, sexually objectified. And it was so traumatizing for me. But I just made a video about this. What I thought was really fascinating was I looked at all my relationships with men, and the majority of them would be attracted to me because they're looking at my body and they think a certain thing. And like immediately after getting to know me, guys would be like, "Eh, I just feel like you're more of a like guy, you know, like I thought you were going to be a little bit more female and it had nothing to do with being a tomboy or how I acted because I'm very feminine. But they, but I think that people knew. And in all of my relationships with guys, the sexual energy died very quickly because they were heterosexual men and they would constantly leave me for other women. And I thought for the longest time, something was wrong with me. And now I'm like, wait a minute, this makes sense. They got a dude. We didn't know that at the time, but they got a dude. And I just posted a video about this on TikTok and everybody was like, yeah, that's, and this is a very common experience for trans guys, probably for trans women as well, but I can't speak for that. But it's a very common experience that you look a certain way but that's not you. You're just in a certain body. So we put a lot of emphasis on gender and we also put a lot of emphasis on the way people look when in reality, the person that you're getting might not match any of that. And then you don't know until you meet them and you feel the energy. And then it's like, oh, okay, I'm actually not attracted to that. Or, hey, somebody I might not have thought I was attracted to, I am attracted to. You just never know. You can't tell from a picture. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think also people oftentimes heterosexual people, and I think homosexual people too, maybe bisexual and trans people to a lesser extent, they wrap their own identity around their partner's identity. What kind of a yeah. man am I if my, my woman's not feminine enough? Or yeah, see a lot of that, and it's a lot of labeling that's just confusing to me because I'm just a soul in the ethers, and I'm like, why is everybody freaking out about all this stuff that means nothing to me? But I've had the same experience where dating a guy and we kinda of just drifted apart. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a big serious relationship. And he started dating this woman who, I swear to God, looked like a Cupie doll, like a like a, you know, sixty year old Cupie doll. And you know, not just trying to be as kind of ditzy and and I, I said to him one day, he came over and he she was off somewhere and I said, So, you know, what's the story with that? Because all the while we were dating it was all about I like intelligent women and I like He's like, well, you know, the truth is, he said, um, I really dislike girls that are feminine, and you're really not. And it's so funny because I think I'm so feminine because I'm in the gay world. I'm so much more feminine than so many lesbians I know. And my straight you women are. friends are <laughs> more you're masculine more than me. Than me. Yes. And I'm like, what, but, but it's not what you can see. It's what you can feel. They could always feel that I was different. And inevitably, I think you're right. They lose interest. This has been a problem. I didn't even think about this until today. Thank you, Caden. This has been a problem for me dating guys. They lose interest because they can feel that I'm different. But the sad thing is it also happens with women because women can feel, most women that are gay, that identify as gay, want to be with a cisgender, lesbian only. And yeah. there's something about the gray area inside of me that after a while they're like, hmm, you know what I mean? And and it, it's kind of a lonely world sometimes because you think like, wow, I think I'm so adaptable and it's so great because I have everything in there, so take what you want. But people very definitely oftentimes want one thing. And if you're not that one
1: thing, then there's a problem. I, I and, absolutely uh, agree with you. Yeah. And I think people like my frustration was people look at me and go, there's that one thing. And then five minutes, they're like, yeah, you're not. And, and I agree with you. I feel like when we are in that gray area, and we are very unique. People, uh, they're projecting their own need for their own gender validation on everyone that they date and everyone they love. And they don't actually Uh, You know, and you see a lot of marriages that are miserable and a lot of partnerships that are miserable. Two people get together, but then they're not compatible because they're just in this make-believe world that they're trying to make the picture look good, but it's not good. Um, And that's not to say, you know, everyone's in a terrible relationship, but I mean, you know, a lot of people get into relationships for that reason. It's to validate themselves. Whereas they're not actually joining into a partnership with another human being that complements them. And I think that that's the biggest issue, especially in relationships. And then people are picking partners that are very stereotypical. I mean, I heard when I first came out on TikTok constantly, I mean, it has gone away. But like when I first came out, people could not wrap their head around the fact that I was a trans guy. Even though I'm, like, look, I just came out. Like, I literally haven't started anything yet. So, like, of course I'm going to look like this. But they could not wrap their brains around it. And now people are, like, to- like they're, they're listening to my videos and they're getting my energy. And I've got, like, so many more followers and people that relate to what I'm saying. And there's the difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. People... And Hopefully, through your story, people are learning. Hopefully, people are getting something from knowing that this is not the face of a trans guy doesn't always look like this, and that's going to help them to expand their emotional and spiritual palates and grow a little bit, right, Caden? Because, absolutely. absolutely, somebody has to set the example for people to grow. It's why I came out. As an intersex person, um, I think I told you this time, last time you were here, but I was interviewing a very well-known intersex psychologist, and he said, look, you know, nobody will nobody will come out, nobody in media that is intersex will admit they are. So many people don't even know they are, and so we're just a silent community, and if it doesn't change, we're always going to be a community with that nobody, you know, talks about.
1: And so yeah. on the show that yeah. day,
0: he said, well, I'm intersex, and I did it, and I... Afterwards, I went to go to a convenience store to get some milk. I called my mom and I'm like, I don't know what I just did. I just did this. And she's like, well, that's a good thing, right? But we're so wrapped around this idea that if we don't tell people that we fit in the box, all hell's going to break loose. You know,
1: I just saw a video today um, from, there's women out there that are so hell-bent on this term woman. And they are so hell-bent on using, biology quote unquote to say there's only cisgender men and there's only cisgender women. And I, and I think about you every time, you know, here I am like a trans guy being like, yeah, I'm a guy. And I also have a vagina. Okay. But then I think about you and I think about all the intersex people out there and all the people that the uh-huh. men that were born with female chromosomes and vice versa. And I was like, do you realize people that you are negating a huge population it's just by saying there's only two things that exist, and then you're throwing out the word biology, and it annoys the crap out of me. Yeah. But I think about you every single time now that you've mentioned that to me, and I'm like, you know, I, I kind of go a on <laughs> for your sake, but
0: for my sake as well. You're wonderful, my friend. We are out of time. Please come back, and let's do this again. I feel like we have 20 more conversations than us at least. Um, where
1: can people we find do. you online? We do, Anytime. Oh, uh, can can find find I'm on mostly Yep, you can mostly find me on TikTok at Trans Fairy Prince. That's transism, transgender, fairy F-A-E-R-I-E prince. I'm also that on Instagram as well. And but TikTok is me, mostly where I do all my my magic.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here and I appreciate you and I can't wait to do many more of these.
1: All right. Bye bye, everyone.
0: Until I see you next time, my friends, this is Haunted Playground on LiveParanormal.com and iHeartRadio.com. Seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always raise your vibration, and know that you are love and you are loved. I'm at com. Please find me there. I'll see you next Wednesday at 5 o'clock Pacific time. Have a good week. I love you all.